So Jelly, how you doing? Pretty good. I, I wanted to ask you a question. So as you know, I make a podcast app and yes. we are actually talking on a podcast right now. Podcasting is a it's a curious platform. You know, people talk about it, you know, some people listen to them, some people don't. I've always wanted to try and kind of explore, you know, where where is podcasting now and where is podcasting going? Oh, well, I mean that's a big topic. And I don't know that we're, are we qualified for that? We only have like, I have two shows, you have one. I don't know that we're qualified for that sort of business. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're probably right. I guess in a perfect world, what we do is we'd find someone who records more podcasts than anyone else on the whole internet and, you know, runs a really successful network and we'd bring them on our show. That's that's what we do in a perfect world. But where, where would we find somebody like that? Good morning. Whoa. (laughs) What? Whoa. (laughs) Who is that? Hello. Hi, gentlemen. I, I, this is something you probably are not aware of. At this point, um, I own all the podcasts, so I can just pop into them uh, whenever I please. So here this I am. It's blowing my mind. It's, it's the British man of podcasting, and he can just drop into any podcast of his choosing. Well, welcome. Welcome, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me today, or not, depending on how, how we look at the fictional arc of this show. Oh, look, I mean, you're so famous and you're on so many podcasts that, uh, you know, you're welcome to drop in, invited or not. I don't know how I feel about being called famous, but we can go <laughs> with that. Infamous? Would you prefer infamous? Yes, I definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, if someone, anyone has not heard of Michael Hurley, you need to stop. Uh, you need to open the Google and you need to Google Relay FM and find out all about what Mike does. But to put one thing to rest, Mike, am I correct in saying you record more podcasts than Renee Ritchie? Can we that, put that one to bed? Yeah, because uh, me and Renee had to have this discussion recently because people always say that, you know, Renee records so many podcasts and I was convinced that I recorded more than him. So I needed to have this rectified. So recently I spoke to Renee on a show. And we counted, and I was the winner. Okay, that's definitive. And also, I think it's definitive that you're acquiring more shows by the day. So even if Renee is trying to catch up, he's pretty much doomed. We're just scooping him up. Scooping him up. <laughs> it seems like it's an exponential thing, too. So you've started out by inquiring, what, like 20 in the last few months? And by the time we get to about 2016, you'll have, you will have all the podcasts. So. Even if you don't now, you will in the future. My plan is just to own all of podcasting. So, you know, we're just, <laughs> we're just getting to that eventual point, And once we get there, we'll be golden. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, you're definitely on that trajectory, Mike. If anyone can do it, you can. So, since you're here, let's, let's ask you some questions about podcasts. And I guess the biggest one is we often tell people, hey, I'm on a podcast or hey, I make an app about podcasts. And these days, the first thing people think of is serial. Yep. You know, that seems to have gone mainstream. Do you think, in all honesty, Serial was was good for the podcasting platform in general or bad in some way? I think it was a good thing. Um, I think the bad thing is that maybe people end up expecting a certain thing that not every podcast is going to give them, whether it be a story, like a real story or the, the very, very high production values. But I actually don't think that people really need or want a lot of that because I think sometimes the, the value is in just the way the sto- like way people are talking and the interactions between people. But I think it ends up setting the bar quite high, but if I can say podcasting and people know what that means just because they've heard Serial or listened to Serial, then then that is a huge win. Plus, you know, I do subscribe to some newsletters about podcasting, etc. There's one, if you don't know it already, uh, by a website called The Timber. Um, they tend to focus more on the mainstream NPR-y type stuff, but they do have some interesting statistics and articles every now and then, and all the Nielsen uh, reports and stuff are showing that 
podcasting and everything about podcasting continues to grow now month on month like people's people's understanding and and knowing of it uh the the term being used in places is growing and just overall podcast listenership is growing month on month i believe serial is a huge part of it but i think that there was just an aligning of the stars which led to serial being able to take the position that it did like there were shows by big news agencies there were lots of comedians and celebrities who'd started podcasts and there's a company called podcast one which i'm sure you guys are familiar with that has helped to do a lot of that for people and then obviously we had startup as well which kind of around the same time and serial so i think like if serial launched maybe three years ago it wouldn't have been what it is but it kind of was the right place at the right time, but it caused a bit of an explosion. So I think that Serial overall has actually been a good thing for us because it gives a lot of people, like, a, I don't want, I hate to use the term, but normal people, people that aren't specifically understanding or had come into contact with podcasts before, it gave them a reference point, And I think that's a great thing. Yeah. No, I think I'd agree with that. The, the one interesting part of that that um, I think we could dig into a bit more is. You know, Jelly and I are both um, independent developers. Jelly, most recently as of the last episode. Woo, woo. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. It's very exciting. So when you're talking about people like, you know, Serial that spent, I think, a full year in production before they released that show, you know, shows like Startup with big names on them, you know, you've got NPR, you've got WNYC, you've got places like The Nerdist. Does it ever feel like it does in the app development space where you're, you know, you're kind of the small indie going against all these big companies? Yeah, because we have the iTunes store. If the iTunes store didn't exist, then it wouldn't feel like that because the independent app developers tend to have a real good focus on independent podcasters or like the smaller networks. Because I think for a lot of people, like yourselves included, uh, you guys feature us and 5 by 5 and Twit quite heavily which is fantastic, you know, as well as featuring the the big popular stuff. But I think that there's a crossover there. And so if we didn't have iTunes, we'd maybe feel like we were in different places. But the iTunes store puts us all in the same basket. And I know some of the people that do this, do this stuff at iTunes and they they really do help support indie podcasters where they can. However, more recently, they have done a lot more featuring of the big popular celebrity stuff. But you kind of have to, you know, like... If they really want podcasting to grow, and I know that they do care about it there, like they have to focus on Serial and like Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast because that that's the way that people are going to find out about the other stuff. And they also do fo- like feature the, the smaller people as well, but it's kind of like the way it is in the App Store. So indie developers get featured alongside like EA, but like every time EA does something, they get prominence, right? Because it's big and people want to see it. And it's kind of like that with the iTunes store as well. So there does feel like that we are kind of swimming against the tide sometimes because there are these huge, huge players like the BBC, for example, in the UK, like just dominates the charts constantly and has done for years because it's just what people are going to find. People are going to listen to the BBC and they're not necessarily going to listen to podcasts, if that makes sense. They know what they know they're going to get the BBC radio show that they like on the purple app on their phone like it's just a thing and i think that's fine because it becomes like a great gateway drug but i do feel like sometimes we're pushing up against bigger bigger companies that seem kind of insurmountable however 
the the market that we have is big enough and relay has only attracted a percentage of that market so far like just at the general tech market like i know how big our shows are and i have rough ideas how big like twitch shows are and they're like insane and it's a slightly different market but it shows like because i think we twitch shows can be a bit more general in places which i think is great because you kind of need that and where we don't shy away from just being extremely nerdy about the things that we like and that's a choice because that's the type of stuff that we want to create but what it shows to me though is that there is a really really large audience of people and we have just a large audience of people so i know that there are more people out there so even though we don't have everyone and even though we don't have the general public the slice that we have is enough to build a business on do you ever feel like you know we were here first and welcome all the big players and thanks for growing the platform but hey we were we were like the first people here you know leave us alone i used to feel like that i used to be like but you know the indie podcasters the tech podcasters like without us there is no podcasting right i I used to feel like that when i would see again like stone cold steve austin on the front page of the itunes store but i don't really feel like that anymore um i think i've grown up from that and just realized what the purpose is and what the benefit is of having those podcasts featured because it's not like we're completely ignored by iTunes or by anybody else. And when I say we, I mean like this whole mini industry in and of itself, right? That includes like Twit and 5x5 and companies like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd, I, I definitely used to feel that way, but I, I don't really feel that way anymore. And, and I'm trying and I do focus more on the overall net benefit of of having us alongside these big companies. And I think it's got something to do with like podcasts, show, like actual shows aren't necessarily always in competition with each other. You, know, you can have two podcasts that are relatively the same and they'll have, there'll be crossover between listeners and uh, it's not so much that one is competing with the other, it's, it's that they're both existing simultaneously. Yeah, one thing that we definitely don't compete on is topic. I've had maybe only ever interestingly like one person ever ask me what's the difference between Upgrade and Connected. Like they're both Apple focused shows. And it's like, yeah, but it's the personalities and the opinions that you listen for. You know, and, and you know, when we were thinking about Upgrade as a thing, we, you know, was like, oh, I wonder. I mean, we do have Connected as well. Like, is this is this fine? Like, is it's like Apple and related companies kind of kind of idea. And then my my first thought was I listen to both ATP and the talk show and they both focus on the exact same stuff, right? But I don't listen to those shows for the topic. Luckily enough, they talk about things that I'm interested in, but I listen for the people and their opinions. So one thing that we definitely in our space don't compete on is topic because otherwise there'd only be the talk show or ATP. That would be it. That's all there would be because you know they're the, they're the big players and there would be nothing else left if that was it because they probably have the, the the majority of the audience of people that are interested in listening to the type of stuff that we make in the way that we make it the only thing that we compete for is time so people have to make decisions about they only have x amount of podcast time that they can give and so people make decisions about which shows they want to listen to and more recently i've come to the to the thought of i <laughs> this sounds this sounds so crazy businessy, but I want people to make those decisions about relay shows, not about shows in general. Like if we launch a new relay show, I want it to be like people are deciding which relay shows to listen to because they listen to all of them. 
does that make sense? Like I just yeah, that. yeah. I I want people to just to to make those decisions about our shows. Obviously, I want people to listen to all of our shows and not drop them. But I don't worry about launching new stuff because we always have more stuff to pick up the slack. That kind of thing. It's a business. Yeah, I, I definitely know that feeling. I'm I'm there on a Saturday, and so I listen to podcasts to and from work. It's roughly thirty to forty minutes, you know, each way each day. And then I have about an hour on Saturday where my kids go a bit nuts, and I just go sit outside, you know, close the door, put a podcast on. And I've only got an hour, and there's normally three or four shows that come out you know, on the Australian Saturday, and I've got to pick, you know, I've got to read read the show notes, I've got to pick which one to listen to. It's it's a drama, Mike, and every time you release a new one, you just make that harder for me. i got to sit there and be like, uh, this one or this one? Yeah, we're definitely not making it easy for people, and I understand that. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it's serious because we have a lot of stuff, and and it's growing, right? We're adding more and more stuff, and we have plans for other things as well. But, I mean, a lot of it comes from our own like the the whole network comes from our own desire to make new things everybody likes to make new things and we focus on that and it's basically like we we make stuff that interests us and those interests they come in bursts but i I think that as long as we're excited about what we do that's good and eventually shows will end right so then there'll be you know things will go away from the network and things will come you know stuff's going to change over time but i just want to give people choice now is 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 how i feel about this stuff we'd originally thought even like a few months ago that you know i was saying oh we're going to grow cautiously and carefully but then some opportunities came our way which have kind of changed my feeling about this and we are still growing carefully but that doesn't mean slowly yeah so speaking of growth i mean how how hard is it in the podcasting space to to make money? And I mean, do you have any thoughts on, you know, a lot of pretty much all your shows are ad funded, but I've seen a few others like, um, you know, Tom Merritt famously do the Patreon thing. Do you, do you have a feeling about how hard it is to monetize a podcast? I think it's very hard to do uh, crowdfunding unless you already have an audience that's large enough for you to make a good amount of money from advertising. Yeah. So then you have to decide which one you want to do. So Tom would make that amount of money from ads. But the benefit that Tom has is he doesn't need to worry about ads. But the thing about Tom is he's one, it's a one person, two person business. Right? So it's yeah. all, it all shakes out in the wash, right? He doesn't want to do the ads because he wants to focus on the show because it's just him. And I get that. And that makes perfect sense. Definitely everybody can't do that. You can't, you can't launch a show today and get $15,000 an episode, right? It just doesn't work like that through crowdfunding or advertising unless you're a massive mega superstar advertising is difficult like you have to hit certain levels before people will even look at you and that that level has changed over time i think at the moment you kind of i have found once a show hits about 10,000 downloads an episode advertisers will be willing to look however if you are part of a network and you have smaller numbers they will look at it because they can, you know they they know they can trust the network if that makes sense so we have shows and we have had shows that haven't hit that magic number but people have looked at them because they already know that we make good stuff right but it's difficult to say like oh i have a show that has 4000 people i'll go to x sponsor i don't want to name names cuz i can't speak for them but <laughs> Squarespace and Audible. It's Squarespace actually, and Audible all the way down. Well, we don't have Audible at the moment, so <gasps> let's say Audible then. Because <laughs> uh, the thing is, for them, and I get it, it's a business, and they, they have their metrics for what they will start to look at before it starts to make sense for them, and they take risks and chances on new shows of ours and small shows, and sometimes they actually do really well, and sometimes they don't. And that's fine, because it's just the way that these things tend to pan out. 
but the advertising stuff is really difficult but once you get into it it can it gets a bit easier because you end up you know you build relationships with the companies they're willing to try out new stuff for you that kind of thing how comfortable are you with advertising do you think you know in a perfect world if you could you know invent your own podcasting platform 2.0 would you stick with the advertising model i would yeah and my reason for this is it's for me the way you build a business you can do crowdfunding and i think that is perfectly acceptable but it it can get a bit tricky the thing is with crowdfunding is you just you have a different master like because advertising i don't feel owned by the advertisers so you don't feel like you're ever censoring yourself or not saying something no. depending on who's on the show? No, I, I definitely don't feel that way because we pick our advertisers carefully. The thing is with crowdfunding, I feel like that you are then kind of owned by the audience and if they completely can have everything, it I don't know, it, it just feels like that there is more of a pressure to make really, really good stuff because people are paying for it directly. And right now I don't want to feel that pressure. I have enough pressure trying to make this best stuff I can make. Okay, so sometimes you record a show and you fit you finish the episode and you're like, that one wasn't that good. Like it happens yeah. because they can't all be great. And I know that I this isn't a, the reason we don't do it, and I can get to the reason why we don't do it in a minute, but it's just something I've been thinking about recently. And you kind of come to the end of that episode and it's not that great. And I feel like if people were paying me directly for that, I would feel bad. Be like, you paying the same amount as you did for the really good episode. And this one kind of sucks, and that's not fair. So that that's one thing that I've been thinking about as like a problem with crowdfunding. But the reason that we don't do it is because we want to build a long-lasting business, um, and we want to make a real thing out of it. And right now, I believe that the best way to do that is by having ad sales as part of the thing that we do. And we've worked with some people uh, for help on this before, but now Relay is, is going completely in on it like we are doing i am doing 100 percent of the ad sales on relay now and it's a scary thing but it's something we're actually getting quite good at um and i and that's the way that i want us to build a business and we think that listener support is a good thing for many people and it's something that we think really carefully about because we have some ideas and there's things that we want to do but but as it stands right now, I don't want that to be 100% the way that we are funded as a company. So if if ads are the way to go, and obviously not all podcasts have have the required number and also aren't on a network, what do you think that hosts and people that are creating the podcasts, obviously not this one because this one's perfect, but what do you think that they can do to improve their shows to kind of attract the eye of an advertiser? I think that that's the wrong question and i get why you asked it but i think that if people feel that way that that they're asking themselves the wrong thing like i don't think anybody should try and improve their show to attract an advertiser they should improve their show to attract a larger audience and with that comes an advertiser and it's a slight distinction but it's for me a very important one i think the key thing to do is to just make the very best show you can make and write it out and then if it's good enough people will find it and it will bubble up to a point where you can take it to an advertiser. But I I don't think that people should ever consider this to be a thing to make them money. Like, I just don't think that that's the way you should think about this. It's not how I started with this. And I think anybody that gets into podcasting with the idea of I'm going to make a ton of money is going to be upset 
because it's hard to, to make it. There are way more people, same as blogging, right? There are way more people looking to do it than there is advertising dollars to go around. That is just a fact. Like, And it's going to remain that way, and it's actually going to get worse because po- podcasting is becoming the new cool. So it's going to get even harder to find money. So if your idea is you're looking to try and quit your job on podcasting, sweet, sweet podcasting dollars, you're going to be sad and because it's going to be really, really hard. You can do it. I do it. It's possible. But for me, it took five years of really, really hard work, not focusing on making my show the best it could be for an advertiser. I just tried to make my shows the best they could be for the people that wanted to listen to them. So you, are you trying to tell me there's no uh, Mike Hurley's seven secret tips to becoming <laughs> like the world's greatest podcaster? Because I'm very disappointed <laughs> if that doesn't exist. Well, so I gave a presentation at the Apple Store, right? <laughs> I've got to tell you, my computer keeps trying to download this every time I turn it on on my home network and it hasn't finished yet. (laughs) Have you not seen it? No, every time I open my laptop, iTunes pops up and starts downloading that podcast and it never finishes because my internet at home is like literally the slowest internet in the world. So one day... Why don't you download it at work? Yeah, I should do that. Maybe right you should do this podcast. <laughs> the things that they wanted me to talk about in that were like my his- my story, and then what makes a good podcast, right? That they were the kind of kind of ideas, and some of the some of the business stuff, like where the listeners come from, where does money come from? And I don't have like the seven secret steps to, to podcasting glory, although I should probably write that book. But I do have what I consider four things that make a good podcast: character, story, presentation, and scheduling. They're the four things that you need to consider, I think, to make a good show. I think you left out number five, accent. Well, yeah, accent. I mean, that comes in the character, right? Oh, okay, good point. <laughs> so <laughs> let me run. I've actually got my slide decks open here. Let me run through with you the, those four things very quickly. So character. You have to have a character that people want to listen to. So that can be chemistry between the hosts or just your chemistry with the audience, which is way harder. So get a co-host. Um, you have to have interesting things to say. You have to have a listenable voice. That's where accent can come in. And this is all because podcasts are intimate. They are voices in your ears. You hear people's personality in their voice. You hear camaraderie between hosts. Like it makes for a listenable show and it makes people feel engaged with the show and they want to continue coming back for more. Story. You need to have a good topic or story that you want to share. It has to be something you're interested in because your passion shows out in it. Presentation. Make it sound as good as you can. Um, I don't think people should set the bar way too high with editing. I think you can go too far, but I think you just have to make something that you're happy with, something you can continue to reproduce and take pride in it. Way too many people set the bar too high for themselves and can never meet it, so they just stop doing it. That's the wrong thing to do. And one of the most important things that so many people fail on is scheduling. Make a schedule and stick to it because it's the only way you're going to get good at it because you'll be practicing. And once people start listening to a show and they enjoy a show... They build it into their own schedule. So like people think, ah, Wednesday morning is my connected commute because the show comes out on Tuesday night. Like I'll listen to that on Wednesday. If we miss a day or if we start doing it all over the place, it, it starts to like get missed in people's commute. And then if they start listening to a different show on their Wednesday morning commute because they can't rely on us anymore, then we may get left out. They're my four things. That's pretty good. I mean, I wish it was seven, but those are some very good points. <laughs> Why have seven when you can have four? <laughs> Streamlined. I spend a lot of time thinking about this. Like, it, I can tell. And I think, like, I think back to myself as the guy who did, started doing this five years ago, and it's kind of just like, who are you to have ideas on these things? But then I remember, like, that I am one of the very lucky few that can actually has a living. So even if the stuff that I say is rubbish, at least it works for me. So maybe it worked for other people. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, the other thing you've got going for you is if anyone else starts a podcast with a British accent on it, they'll just be immediately called Mike Hurley Copycats. So, uh, yeah, I think the, you've got that. There are no other nailed. British people that are allowed to speak. Yep, exactly. That's that's how I feel anyway. There are other like British tech podcasters. I've been on a couple of shows, but I it, it doesn't really make sense to me why there aren't more. But I'm quite lucky that I have an American audience. Um, like our our audience is like sixty percent American across all shows, and then it kind of breaks down into to low double digits as it goes across the rest of the world. And I, mm. I genuinely think that part of my success is because my shows are popular in America because I have a distinct voice because it's British. And I think that that works very well for me because it's part of the character that I was talking about, you know, like people people actually, I think, like to hear a silly British voice. Like, I think it works for them. And I think that's been very lucky that I'm big in America, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's also been really lucky that you've slowly been eliminating all the other British people with good voices. That, just, that, <laughs> just we can't talk about that right now. <laughs> if if you're in England right now, anywhere in the Great Britain, is that what it's called? Yeah, let's go with that. If you hear some like footsteps behind you in the dark, just run because it's Mike and he's coming for you. The best yes. thing is just to not talk. Just nobody in my country <laughs> speak, and then we don't have a problem. The only problem that you've got then is that is all the the British people that are outside of outside of your country, because there are a few around mm. in like Australia and stuff, and they you know they could they could come at you from the side, and you would never know. Jelly, if I mentioned the world tour that I'm going on, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's killing spree world tour. Let's nice. not call it that. Let's not call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's meet and greet. I would like to meet you, greet you, and then uh, defeat Have, you. Oh, meet, greet, and defeat. Meet, meet is spelt M-E-A-T. Is <laughs> that, that's what you're going to be. Dead meat. Stephen's nice. going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not British. He doesn't get a say. No, just because of the things I'm saying. Oh, he, he will never listen to this podcast. He's too no, busy. He will. He listens to the things that I'm on to make sure I'm not doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Really? Hi, Stephen. Uh, sorry about all the other British people, but I'm pretty sure that even with DNA evidence, it will never be linked back to Mike. So it's fine. Just relax. <laughs> <laughs> so before before we let you go, Mike, we need to know what's what's next for Relay FM because it definitely does seem like you're taking over the world of podcasting. We're very scared as a small, you know, independent podcast that you know we're not going to get stomped on. So I actually don't really know. We we have a few projects in the works right now which I'm kind of excited about we're talking to some people about some stuff which is good like some shows that you may have heard um, we're talking to other people uh, about that <gasps> This American Life congratulations yes yeah, so Serial <laughs> Serial Season 2 is going to be a really FM production uh, uh, really excited about that can't wait it's basically just following the, the rampage that I've run through the UK <laughs> uh, just bumping off other podcasters that's, that's season two so yeah okay well at least we'll know who did it this time around like it'll be well, less of a mystery so that's good I don't know well, ask me my opinions about the final episode of Serial one day we can talk about that <laughs> I think our thing right now is we we are focused on building our business to a point that we are growing and stable um, and that's kind of where we are right now, but we want to keep going because we have other things that we want to do that require more money. Um, so we're going to keep going through that as we think is right. Um, and that just means that like cautious and stable growth, which is what we're going th- for right now. We, we are 
I don't want people to turn up on Relay tomorrow and see 25 shows. And if they do see 25 shows, I want them to be 25 awesome shows. Does that make sense? Like, I don't, we, I don't have a desire, we don't have a desire of just putting filler in there. Everything that is on Relay FM has a place. Yeah. And it's there for a reason. And we want to continue doing that because that's really important to all of us involved in Relay FM. And we, you know, we are, I'm feeling way better about our gender diversity than we have done before. Uh, I think we're about... Yeah, I noticed you recently got some uh, men on your network. It's good to see. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you start. (laughs) We're we're around 50-50. Like, I think it's like 60-40, something like that at the moment. Which is like, you know, we started and were for a few months 100% male. So that's fantastic. And I'm really, really pleased about that. We need more racial diversity. So that's something that we're thinking of and just considering. But it's something we're working on. But it's the same. Yeah, like, how many Australians do you have on your network, Mike? A seven. Seven Australians. We actually can't move for Australians at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. It's something in the same like as how we looked at gender diversity. We It's in the forefront of our minds. And we, we consider all the decisions that we make and... You know, we 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 could work on it basically, but I'm feeling way better about our group and how it's mixed and made up at the moment than ever before. So that's just another thing that we're thinking about. I want Relay FM to be the place that people think of when they think of tech podcasts and podcasts about nerdy things and geeky things. And we're moving more and more towards that every day, in my opinion. And we're doing really well at it. And I'm very proud of what me and Stephen have built and everybody else has joined us to build. We're unstoppable right now. No one can get in our way, especially British podcasters. So that's that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> All right. So now that we've let you uh, come on our show and mm-hmm. have a Relay.fm plug, um, will you promise not to murder our families? That's that's all we ask. This has turned into something I really didn't expect. And <laughs> Yeah, no, you guys you guys are good. Totally good. But right. you don't have any right. British people in your families, do you? Mm, my wife may have been born there, but she's definitely okay. lived more of her life in Australia. So let's just call her Australian. Yeah, no, that's fine. I have a great love for the Australian people. So excellent. And can we just get one more thing from you? Yeah. Can we get you to say the word "boom"? Boom. 